the gales of November. In the Great Lakes, this is the season of frequent storms and tall waves crashing against the shoreline. When these gale force winds blow across the water, some see untapped potential. This is our time to make money. When the winds show up, we're ready to go. Brian Zat Local is with Consumers Energy. At the Lake Winds Energy Park in western Michigan, he monitors 56 wind turbines scattered across 35 square miles of rolling hills. You know, we're going through an, an orchard currently. We've got apple, peach, pear, nectarine, those sorts of tree fruits. The turbines rise high above these orchards. They're almost 500 feet tall at the highest point of the blades. Anytime the wind blows around seven miles per hour, those blades start turning. And when they do, the turbines generate electricity that feeds into the grid through underground cables. What really ends up happening on the grid is on high wind days, you'll see natural gas fuel generation plants back down and not fire as hard and generate as much power. You'll see coal plants get turned down and not fire as hard. And the concept is that you're displacing the fossil generation with a renewable asset generation. Backing off those fossil fuels during high winds is a step towards Michigan's goal for carbon emissions. The state wants its carbon emissions at net zero by 2050. Five of the seven Great Lakes states have set similar goals. And here at the Lake Winds Energy Park, just a few miles from Lake Michigan, the conditions are really good for turning wind into energy. Just geographically with prevailing wind patterns, having that open space behind is a big deal. As you go inland, literally the roughness, if you will, of the earth tends to slow the wind speeds down. So terrain, trees, etc., tend to slow it down. Now one place totally free of those wind barriers is out in the open water. Offshore wind turbines are popping up in ocean waters off the east and west coasts, but why don't we see any in the Great Lakes? Is there a tremendous resource? No question. But uh, you know, people, I don't think, generally want to see them right now offshore, which is a challenge. You know, it's, we would have to, to change you know, hearts and minds around that, for sure. This is Points North, a show about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Upper Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. Reporter Patrick Shea has been looking into offshore wind energy in the Great Lakes, its potential, and its controversy. Patrick, let's start with the potential. Sure. So if you live near the Great Lakes, it's probably not news to you that there's a lot of wind out there, especially this time of year. Now, obviously, we're not going to convert all that wind to energy. But if we did, it would provide a huge portion of the electricity used in the Great Lakes states. Okay, put that into context for me. How much electricity are we talking about here? A whole lot. A report last year looked at expected electricity demands by 2050. Using data from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, it found that in Wisconsin, there's enough offshore wind to provide almost 30% of that demand. And in Michigan, it's closer to two-thirds. Two-thirds. Wow, that is a lot of energy. So... Again, why isn't anybody capturing it? Why no turbines in the lakes? Well, they could be coming soon. The first ever offshore wind project in the Great Lakes was officially approved this summer. It would be the first of its kind. Six turbines located about eight miles from Cleveland, right in the waters of Lake Erie. It's called the Icebreaker Wind Project, and it could pave the way for more wind turbines in the Great Lakes. But that's the last thing some people want to hear. Mark my word, once they put one in the water, it will just continue on and on and on until our lake is, all the lakes are filled. They're not going to stop. Sharon Trembath is from Evans, New York. 
about 20 miles south of Buffalo. She says she's been defending Lake Erie for most of her life. I'm 77. When I was 16, I had, my brothers and I helped stop the gillnets in Lake Erie. I've worked on the pharmaceuticals being dumped into the lake. I've worked on uh, phosphates. We fought Procter & Gamble back in 1989. For Sharon, protecting the lake doesn't just mean trying to stop things from happening. It's hands-on, too. For the past 40 years, I've been the Lake Erie Coordinator for the International Coastal Cleanup. I have 2,000 volunteers from Presque Isle, Pennsylvania, up to Niagara Falls, who clean up the shoreline every year. I call it the Great Lakes Beach Sweep. Okay, that's my life. Sharon says all that activism comes from her lifelong relationship with the lake. She says living near Lake Erie has given her a deeper appreciation for the natural world. I live about 500 feet from the shoreline. Today, it's perfectly calm. It, it's absolutely beautiful. It matches any Caribbean place I've ever been to. Tomorrow, Lake Erie can kick up in a minute. It's a, the shallowest of the Great Lakes. So it can kick up to a, uh, an amazing storm. Sharon loves looking out at the lake in any weather, and she enjoys seeing it change. But now, there's another change she doesn't like seeing. One thing that's really aggravating, we can see the turbines over in Canada. Lake Erie, where I live, there's a 20-mile span from Sturgeon Point to Port Avenue. And when we look out at night, we can see the red blinking lights, and it looks like Christmas lights. And every, every year, there's more and more and more. I don't find them pretty or majestic at all. I find them ugly and industrial. Those turbines are on the Canadian shoreline. But Sharon's fighting to keep them out of the lake. She's part of a group called Citizens Against Wind Turbines in Lake Erie. She says a company called Diamond Offshore Wind approached her town's government three years ago. It wanted to build 50 turbines in the lake. Nothing's been officially proposed yet, but Sharon's group is trying to get ahead of it by stirring up opposition. Thank heavens for Facebook. Because right now we have close to 5,000 numbers. In the past month, we've had, I think, 54,000 people look at our website. Our focus is educating the public that this is their lake. And we're asking people to, to call and write their, their elected officials and let them know how they feel. Whatever your passion is, you tell your elected official why you, in your words, don't want, it, want them in the lake. There are plenty of reasons people don't want these turbines, but the way they look is a big one. And some say the visual impacts are more than just aesthetics. Lake Erie tourism creates about 150,000 jobs. John Lapai is on the board of the Lake Erie Foundation. It's an environmental nonprofit that fights harmful algal blooms, microplastics, and now the Icebreaker Wind Project. One of our concerns is that you have people who come to Lake Erie for their vacations, and if you start planting wind turbines offshore, ruining those views, how is that going to affect those actual jobs? A study from North Carolina State University asked that same question. Researchers surveyed tourists at popular beaches about how wind turbines in the water would affect their experience. 80% of respondents said they either wouldn't come back to the same spot for vacation, or they'd expect an unrealistic price drop to make it worth their while. Lapai says the same could be true for Ohio. Sandusky and the Lake Erie Islands, Cedar Point, all those places along the lake are dependent upon Lake Erie for tourists. So that was a pretty telling um, study for us in terms of vacationers' attitudes. 
Now, the Icebreaker Wind Project has been approved, but the Lake Erie Foundation is still trying a long-shot legal effort to stop it. They've joined forces with two bird conservation groups and filed a federal lawsuit against the government agencies that approved the project. But there's no guarantee they'll get a hearing. And that brings us to birds. Some people are worried the turbines could kill migratory birds flying over Lake Erie. But the National Audubon Society has actually voiced its support for the Icebreaker Project. It says almost 400 species of North American birds are threatened by a warming climate, and that wind energy could help limit that warming. But when it comes down to it, it's hard to say exactly what the impact will be on birds before the wind turbines are actually in the lake. Not everyone who loves the Great Lakes wants to keep them turbine-free. Like Sharon Trembath and John LaPai, Jade Davis has spent most of his life near Lake Erie. So I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, actually. So I, I definitely understand that, you know, aesthetics and, and the relationship people have with the Great Lakes are, are real things to take in, into context. I think uh, everyone involved understands that. Jade is one of those involved. He's with the Port of Cleveland, a government agency overseeing the Icebreaker Project. This project was designed to mitigate those aesthetic uh, issues from the jump with the placement of the turbines and things like that. You'll need a clear day and uh, have to actually be looking directly or be in a building really, really high up in Cleveland to even see the tops of them and the tips of them in the faint distance. Because I mean, you're talking eight miles. And so it's not going to be like riding down the street and it's just going to be a bunch of turbines there. The six turbines will be able to generate a little over 20 megawatts of power during peak production. To put that into context, the Cleveland public power system is about 300 megawatts. So these initial turbines won't provide a huge portion of the city's electricity, but Jade says it's a test run. People say, well, how come you're only doing six? How come you're not doing 60 or 600? Well, let's make sure we can do this right. Let's make sure we can do this safely environmentally and, and create real sustainable um, renewable power now at this level. And then we can go back and look at, all right, is this, is this right for the Great Lakes? Is this right for a certain portion of the Great Lakes and, uh, and not other portions? Uh, where, how, all these kind of things. That's what Icebreaker Wind Project will solve for. Jade says this project has been a long time coming. It was first discussed in the early 2000s, then officially proposed about 10 years ago. But it faced legal opposition, especially from Lakeshore residents and boaters. It wasn't until August of this year that the Ohio Supreme Court finally gave the project the official go-ahead. I personally am just excited to see the real push towards innovation and then also the opportunity to create a hub here in Northeast Ohio for onshore and offshore wind and technologies. Uh, we have the people, we have the logistics, and so why not here? Icebreaker gets its name from the project's design. The turbines will actually feature a mechanical cone that breaks up ice as it forms around the structure. But the name has a double meaning. This is a pilot project, so it's breaking the ice for offshore wind in the Great Lakes. And there's a lot of interest already. Right now, a bill in Illinois will set up a council to study offshore wind potential near Chicago. And a study like that is already underway in New York for Lakes Erie and Ontario. That kind of study happened in Michigan more than a decade ago. But there's still no offshore wind turbines anywhere along Michigan's 3,000 miles of lakefront. Skip Pruss is the former head of Michigan's Energy Department. 
and he chaired the state's Great Lakes Offshore Wind Council. I asked Skip if he expected to see some turbines in Michigan waters by now. <laughs> by now. Um, yes, probably. But we got a proposal that really sort of, it was sort of like a uh, atom bomb. In 2010, a company called Scandia Wind proposed a huge project off the shore of western Michigan. It received a lot of public backlash and never came to fruition. Because it really catalyzed interest and opposition to offshore wind from people who live on Lake Michigan. And with respect to lakefront property, you know, some of the most valuable property in the world, uh, people who own it have money, they have influence, they can retain lawyers and consultants to fight offshore wind, and um, they will do it. And if this is getting repetitive, wind farm proposed, public outcry, Skip says that's pretty much been the story so far. The barriers are not economic. They're not technical. They're social and political. The biggest environmental and social and political challenge that the world faces, that all of us face, is climate change. And so we have to accelerate this, this clean energy transition and, and community opposition is a huge, huge impediment. He says there's one thing that might change that, and it's simple. It's time. And he gave an interesting example of how that can happen. The most ubiquitous technology that is everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go, are wires and poles. Historically, there was opposition from farmers to rural electrification, even though it you know, was provided such an incredible life-changing benefit to them. They did not want those poles or wires on their properties. But Skip says, over time, that opposition fizzled out. You know, they're, they are everywhere, but you don't see them anymore. And, you know, is that happening with wind farms? It's true. Poles and wires are everywhere now, and I don't usually think about them. But maybe it's different when you're talking about the Great Lakes. Offshore wind could produce a lot of electricity and lower carbon emissions. But the tricky thing is balancing that against the value of an unimpeded view. What's it worth to look out at the horizon and see nothing but sky and water? Reporter Patrick Shea wrote and produced today's episode. It was edited by me, Dan Wanshura. Additional editing by Peter Payette and Ed Ronco. Music by Alex Figuera, Katza, and Hans Troost. Special thanks to Grant Ashley from WBFO in Buffalo, New York, for help with this story. For more stories from all over the Great Lakes, listen and subscribe to Points North wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts.